Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We're a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we're at the finale of season six of Buffy and season three of Angel. So It's been quite a journey. I know, it's sort of <laughs> unreal that we're like this far along. Yeah, but also, like, I found myself watching, um, well, both episodes, I guess, and, like, thinking about, like, where they started, like, yeah. 21 episodes ago, and I was just like, wow, this has been quite the trip. <laughs> it really has felt longer than other seasons that we've done, I feel like. Well, it's because we've had to deal with this season of Angel. <laughs> I know, I guess that's part of it. But also, this season of Buffy has been, like, not unchallenging at times, you know? It's true. In a lot yeah. of ways. Not. I don't just mean, like, oh, we didn't like everything, but, like... Yeah, it's just been hard to watch some of it. Never forget Double Meat Palace. Yeah, I, I, I won't. It's burned to my memory. <laughs> um, well, how are you doing, Jenny? You were I, telling me a little bit about <laughs> as we as we never talk about the weather, but yeah, I feel I like it's, it's just always notable. circumstances. <laughs> it's been really, really hot here for the last week. Uh, this weekend is no exception. In fact, this weekend is like the culmination of it. But I literally didn't leave my apartment yesterday. I didn't even go in the hallway yesterday. <laughs> like sometimes I still have to like take a, tr- a bag of trash to the like bin in the hallway, but I did not. So is and the we hallway have, not air conditioned? No, the air it's fine there. I just mean to say like I really didn't leave even a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, but my apartment is AC, it has air conditioning, which is why I didn't go anywhere, and it was great. We watched a lot of TV, we had some relaxing time, and uh, that was really it. Yeah. That's all you can do, really. I mean, yeah. it's just, like, oppressive. It is. With, and today yeah. is equally hot, I think, uh, but I also haven't gone outside yet. I will probably have to leave at some point today. Actually, I definitely have to leave at some point today. I have to... Um, I agreed to cat sit for somebody that lives across the street and they're going to like show me the ropes today. So I have to go at least across the street. (laughs) Uh, And then we'll see if I have to go any farther than that. Anyway, how are you? I'm good. How's your Um, weather? Our weather is a little bit better than that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, No, but I was telling you like, it's actually been really nice. Like I spent yesterday like outside for like the whole day. I haven't done that in, um, well, I guess not, (laughs) not in like a while, but like, you know, just kind of sitting outside and hanging out. Like, I just, like, find that I don't really do that that much. Yeah. You know, like, just sit in a chair and have some drinks and, like, you know, chat with your friends. And we played some lawn games. It was fun. Actually, yeah. we played this game where it was, like, you – it's called Can Jam. And hmm. you, like – it's a Frisbee game, which means I was awful at it because mm-hmm. I can't throw a Frisbee. But you're, like, supposed to shoot it into, like, towards your partner. And then they try to hit the Frisbee, like, into the can. Okay. <laughs> Or there's, like, a slot in the can that you can, like, throw the Frisbee through, and if you do that, it, like, ends the game. And by can, I mean, like, these are, like, rubber tubes that, like, form into, like, a trash can shape. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Very, Interesting. like, janky looking, but it was really surprisingly really fun. Hmm. So, so I got some exercise. Okay. <laughs> um, but it was tricky because I was throwing a Frisbee, and, like, my wrists were basically, like, paralyzed from this, like, cake that I had made. And oh, I was yeah. Just, like, so you were, I can't, yeah. I can't do this. <laughs> But no, it was fun. So it was just good to be like outside. Like I feel like I got all the vitamin D I need like yeah. for a for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then this morning I was watching these two episodes. So okay. it's been an early morning. <laughs> I paid for my fun. <laughs> um, all right. Well, should we talk about these? We should. Yes. All right. Okay. So let's uh, do it. Grave. Finale time. I didn't say the title. The titles, but Grave and Tomorrow. Yes. Sounds like Grave Tomorrow. It right? does, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, which is sort of true in one case, I suppose. Mm. Um, in both But cases. we're talking about Buffy. Yeah. So we are picking up pretty much instantly where we left off last time. Giles has arrived in Sunnydale to try to stop Willow from her magical rampage. And um, at first it kind of looks like he's going to be successful. Like he has all this power and he binds Willow. And, um, you know, obviously Willow's pissed, but there's not much she can really do about it. Um, so Anya and Buffy are thrilled that Giles is there. Giles and Buffy have a chance to kind of catch up. She fills him in on everything that's been happening because he's obviously wondering, like, how the hell did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she kind of tells him about Xander and Anya's wedding and, like, what she's been sleeping with Spike and Dawn being a kleptomaniac and, like, all this stuff. Um, and they just kind of laugh about the absurdity of, like, how badly Buffy's life has basically gone to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and... You know, I think it's, like, a really nice moment for them. But then Willow tricks Anya into letting her go. And um, so Willow's basically on the warpath. Um, she, like, sends this, like, fireball after Jonathan and Andrew, mm-hmm. who are with um, Dawn and Xander. So Buffy runs to go and try to stop before... I don't know what she's going to do against a fireball, but she's going to go try to save them, mm-hmm. leaving Giles to face off with Willow. And um, Willow pretty brutally like beats him in this process but Giles um gets to a point where she siphons all the magic out of him and it Mm -hmm. turns out what he had done was like imbue himself with the power of this coven in England that had basically sensed a disturbance in the forest yes so (laughs) he was sent to go try to stop it and um she takes all this power so she's like reeling because she's like taken on like so much power like she says like more power than like any mortal has ever taken but what Mm -hmm. what happens is that then she can feel like all the pain of all these people so she decides the best thing to do is to just end the pain which basically means in the world um so she sets out to go do that there's this temple apparently in Sunnydale yeah, sure, that yeah. she can, yeah, conveniently, that she can just raise up and funnel all this energy through and it's somehow going to bring about the end of the world and no magical means can stop her. So Buffy's not really going to be able to and um, magic can't stop her either. So it's not really a problem for Buffy because um, this fireball has like created this giant pit in the middle of the cemetery, which she and Don both fall into. Um, and Xander gets knocked out. Jonathan and Andrew hightail it to Mexico. Um, and so she and Don are trapped in this pit and can't really get out. And they're also kind of having to deal with like this whole season's worth of feelings that they have around mm-hmm. like how Buffy's been acting, um, as they're trying to escape so Buffy can save them. But Willow is somehow like telepathically connected to both Buffy and Giles at this point. So Mm -hmm. she can sense that Buffy's trying to get out. So she kind of taunts her like, oh, you want to live after all? Well, I think the earth wants you back. Mm -hmm. And she like basically sets all these like zombies after um, Buffy and Dawn. So they're preoccupied fighting that off while meanwhile Xander wakes up um, because he got knocked out with the fireball. And he runs, like, he overhears what's happening because Anya also teleports into the pit to tell Buffy what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's a handy new power of hers. Um, and Xander overhears, and so he, like, goes to this temple and basically puts himself in the way of what Willow's trying to do and just repeatedly tells her, you know, I love you, I forgive you, I love you. Like, And she 
you know, breaks down essentially mm-hmm. uh, because Xander won't get out of the way and she's kind of forced through him to confront what's actually happening. Um, so she doesn't end the world. Her hair turns back red. And <laughs> That's how we know it's over. <laughs> yep. And so we just kind of end it like she's crying it out on Xander's shoulder. Buffy and Don manage to climb their way out of the pit and Anya and Giles are basically leaving a magic shop that is now in total ruins. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan and Andrew are on their in way, a truck on somewhere. way to Mexico, yeah. presumably. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of uh, not a ton, right? Like, it wraps everything up, and it's this big, epic, like, battle. But it ends up being this kind of small moment, right, between um, yeah. Willow and Xander. Yeah. And I definitely was left feeling like this isn't my favorite finale. <laughs> yeah. But there were a lot. I think I liked most of the individual pieces about it, I think it just ended up oddly feeling very rushed. I agree. I, I think really what, what my, my big, my big complaint, I think about this episode and like, I'm trying to say, actually, I like this episode. It's just not my, it's just not my favorite, you know, but, um, I think particularly this, you know, they set up so nicely. I think this kind of build up to why Willow do- turns bad in the, you know, why she goes dark is kind of this like slow burn throughout, you know, if you think about it throughout the whole season and maybe even further back than that. Um, but the, the real quick turn that she kind of has to make in this episode to like, I'm going to destroy everything to, or from I'm going to kill everyone to, Oh, the world is so sad. And I feel all of it that I'm going to just burn it all down. I felt like that particularly was like, well, we kind of spent this whole season building up to this other emotion. So to kind of flip it at the end, I think that was what to me makes the whole thing a little less satisfying than it could have been. I still think it's very satisfying. I really like, I mean, I want to talk about each individual moment or at least all the kind of character interactions. Like I think it was a really strong finale in the sense that like, all of our favorite people get to see each other and get to have these really intimate moments with one another. And I really like that. So I guess that's where I'm at. (laughs) I just think they make her kind of do this turn too quickly for the sake of the story. Right. I agree. I think it kind of feels like they went too big. Like, yeah, this this story always felt a little bit like as much as we loved the last week where it was like this Terminator moment. Right. Right. Like, but at the at the crux of it, Willow's grief is very personal and it happened within this small group of people. So to have it suddenly like expand outwards where she did this heel turn from I'm killing two people to now I'll just kill everyone is a bit of a leap. And I'm not sure it was necessary unless they just wanted something big for Xander to help her overcome. But yeah, I think, yeah, I just feel like having him stop her from killing Jonathan and Andrew instead of having them just kind of scamper off might've been like more, more contained. I don't know. it, It does feel like it got a little too big. It, you're right. And I, 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 you know what else I think is not sitting totally right with me is the, I appreciate that they, you know, and this is sort of the way that Giles explains it away at the end that it's like, oh, be, by giving her this magic, he makes her feel everything. But that her conclusion is still, I'm going to burn it. Like she's still behaving in a dark way. So it, I don't know. I just, it's something about that is also like a weird disconnect to me. Like you either feel things and you, I don't know. I, Something about that is just like a little too sloppy or maybe conversely, maybe it's like a little too neat of like, oh, you feel this way and this is the logical conclusion. Like something about that feels very trite, but you're right to say that like, you're right, everything else about this has been so deeply personal to Willow that like we understand why she's lashing out. So this kind of like general, like you feel everyone's pain, so you'll just end it all is just like oddly generic. (laughs) It is. It's a little cliche. Yeah, cliche really. You're right. That's what I was just avoiding saying for no reason. (laughs) 
But it is, and and you're right. I mean, it's a little bit of a convenience factor, right? Where Giles right. is like, oh, well, unbeknownst to everyone, I dosed her with like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. humanity or whatever. And it's like, well, great, but. I mean, I wouldn't have expected that to work instantly, but it's it's really not clear that that's what worked. It's like Xander right. like, triggered something. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess the point is like Xander wouldn't have been able to trigger it without the mm-hmm. magic, but why that happened, I don't know. Right. It's all, yeah. And also like the weird heel turn, I guess, also of like Giles dying to suddenly he's fine. Like, right, right, right. I know. He was like near death the whole time and then with no explanation, he's just fine. <laughs> like, all right, sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe something to do with the magics, I guess. But, but it was little, weird because it was like it was. all dire, like Anya telling Buffy, like, I don't think Giles has long to live. Right. And he's not going to make sudden, it. He just sits up and he's like, well, that was fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. He kind of limps out, but like not very convincingly. Yeah. So just have him greatly yeah. injured. They've done that before. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, okay. But that said, I mean, I liked everything else. I think, you know, I'm, I was really happy to see Giles back just as we, as we were last week. I think that his conversation with Buffy is like a little overacted maybe, but I like it. I really like that they get to have this moment where they just are kind of, I I do feel like they're seeing each other more, not as equals, but a little bit like it definitely felt like Buffy was a little less looking up to him and looking to him for answers so much as like their old friends catching up and she's just telling him like how bad her life has fallen apart, you know? And I think that's kind of where that humor came from. So ultimately, I liked the, I liked the way that they get to just have this moment where they're sort of on equal footing, even though he's there to save the day. Yeah, it's also like a nice end to this whole story of like Giles felt that he left for her own good. Right. And it kind of turns out that it's been really tough for her, but maybe it's true because she's in a place where she can like meet him as a friend, right. like as, as an adult. And like if she had remained relying on him, like he was the blocker like stopping Buffy from becoming an adult right and right. she's kind of done that this season of like very painfully slowly worked her way into responsibilities and realizing that she's the one who has to kind of take care of everything I mean I mean to be know, fair like, she's only realizing some of that even in this episode still well, yeah, <laughs> she's but it, definitely but I still think, getting know, there her going and getting a job that she hates right, but right. like staying there and knowing like that's what's going to put the money like in the you know pay the bills true, and everything true. and but also, yeah, like, I think part of it in this episode was, like, realizing, that, like, the stuff she can let go of and, like, not try to keep such a tight leash on Dawn and, like, expose her to the world and all mm-hmm. that. So. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> counter, quick counter-argument, though. Also, Giles leaves and then Willow um, tries to destroy the world. So, question mark on really whether he should have left or not? <laughs> I'm, I'm mostly true. just kidding. I'm sure it would have been the same thing whether he was there or not, but it is a little bit funny. Like, you know, it was so good for Buffy that you left. Might have been detrimental to the whole world that you left. <laughs> well, also, I wonder if he was there, if Willow would have even attempted to try to stop using magic because no, she would have true. felt that he was chastising her too totally, much into, totally. like, a rebellion of, like, yeah. well... Like, and she even, you know, obviously feels resentment about that as she's channeling it in this episode, right? Of, like, no, of course. You, I'm being facetious. Yeah, <laughs> mostly, no, I know, but, but I'm saying, little, like, I, yeah. but seriously, like, I wonder if, like, the story works as well if Giles is there because, like, does she Willow still resents him? Yeah. Make a decision to, like, give up magic because, like, she ultimately did it for Tara, but then if Giles also wants it, like, that's another, like. But would she have been driven know, to this point if Tara hadn't gotten murdered? Probably not. Yeah, but Giles can't stop that, so. Right, but Tara wouldn't have been there. They wouldn't have reconciled. Yeah. Hmm, interesting questions. You'll never know. We'll never know. Alternate timelines. (laughs) Alternate timelines. Yeah, um, 
Uh, yeah. I also feel like something about Anya and Giles' interaction, Anya specific, like Giles shows up and he's like, Buffy, you cut your hair. And it's like a really, really sweet thing for him to say. Cause it, yeah, I think that was like, that's like a good line that like really just indicates like the world is ending, but you're still my, you know, not protege, but like my slayer. And I notice everything about you. I don't know. I'm not saying that I'm not putting this into words correctly, but I thought that was a really touching moment. And then to have Anya really be like, I dyed my hair blonde too. Like, why don't you notice me? It was like a little bit heartbreaking, but it was so cute too. It was, except Anya's been blonde this whole time. So, (laughs) uh, she's dyed her hair like four times this season. No, but I mean like when Giles left, left, I'm pretty sure she was blonde. Well, maybe that's the joke. That's why I think that was the joke. Oh, where yeah. She's like, I'm, st- I'm still blonde. <laughs> no, she said I'm blonde now. I think it was definitely, yeah, to, yeah but you're right. But I guess I, uh, I just don't know. I don't know what to make of Anya. And I don't, it's not a complaint because I just am enjoying pretty much everything about her. But like, what a bottle of contradictions as like a person she is or like as a being. Because this is definitely the nicest I've ever seen her be. And it's like only after she becomes a demon again that she's like kind of learning how to interact and be friendly with everybody else. Yeah, I do. I do think that, well, I'm starting to worry, especially from this episode in the last couple, that Anya is going to be written conveniently. Like, yeah, as the story I think, yes. calls for. Like, she's going to be helpful one week, not unhelpful the next. She's going to be a vengeance demon one week and then a normal person the next. And yeah. it's like... You're really right. Keep, I like, think frustrating to feel like that because, yeah, it kind of undercuts a lot of her actions. Like even a few episodes ago, she was trying to get everybody she could to like wish something bad on Xander, and now she's just kind of like going along with it. And like, yeah, she and Xander had a conversation mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago, so you know they've kind of talked some stuff out, and you know I think that helps. But she is acting weirdly like the old Anya in a way, just less comedic relief nicer though nicer I think nicer too yeah like more thoughtful in a way that she wasn't so I don't know if they're trying to say something about like her being whole again I don't think they are (laughs) yeah Uh, but or it's just like bad writing but I actually sloppy writing I think for the moment it's still working I think you're right though that I I have a feel I have a feeling from memory uh, I don't have I can't I can't think of very many specific instances in season seven but I do feel like you're right that where they're gonna go in season seven is something that makes less and less sense but I do think that for now it is kind of working for me and I say this because it is interesting that like we've talked about this and again this will come up again in season seven that like Anya's whole life has pretty much been Xander and now that he's not there for her she's having to interact with people on her own terms and I so I do think that there is something genuine about like well I used to just see you as the people I had to hang out with because I was with Xander but now you know now that that's gone and she's a lot more broken down as a person I can see her really reveling in like really she and Giles she was always you know kind of superficial to him but I think she really did care about him and so now that I don't know I just I I do feel like there's something about her and Xander's relationship falling apart that is also giving her a, a path to like just having her own relationships with everybody so I guess in that way, I think it kind of makes sense. Whether yeah, or not she would really be this sappy or sentimental, I think it's still kind of up in the air. But then again, the world's ending and I don't know. She was pretty sentimental the last time the world ended and she was a vengeance demon. Oh, I guess she was a human then. But yeah, so I don't know. No, it's a good point. Like Xander's not her her through line to them anymore. So, and you know, I think she was always going to have to interact with them in some way, right? Like because mm-hmm. she... Um, owns the magic shop and they're going to have to use it, I'm sure. Yeah. It's like their base of operations. So you can't really cut Anya out of the group. 
It's also an interesting question that maybe because, you know, she became a vengeance demon so that she could enact vengeance specifically on Xander. At least I think that was a big motivation. Now that she's failed at that, I think she also is seeing that like, oh, it turns out being a vengeance demon also didn't fix my problems. You know, I think maybe that is part of it too. Like maybe she really has matured in in a way of like, I can't just live this way now because I've had too many meaningful interactions with humans now. Yeah, and maybe it's going to make it harder to be a vengeance demon right. because she's come to care for these humans. Yeah, I mean, I'm certain that's a plot point, right? In the yeah, next I think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. Well, nevertheless, I still found her to be very sweet and in a way that I, is not quite untrue to me yet. So I liked her in this episode is what I'm saying. Yeah. So w- let's let's talk about Buffy and Dawn. Yeah. Because uh, I really I mean, liked this whole thing. You did. Is, is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. I wrote down, did this whole, did this episode vindicate all of Dawn's existence? (laughs) Uh, Which is to say, I also really liked it. I felt like it was very well executed for something that they sometimes get a little sloppy with. I'm sorry. Something that they often almost always get sloppy with. (laughs) So what did you like about it? I felt like, I I think this is the missing thing for Dawn, right? Is like just a little bit of maturity goes a long way. And like having her just point blank tell Buffy like, you don't need to protect me. You can't protect me. Like I, this stuff, like you've been trying to protect me and like this stuff still keeps happening to Mm -hmm. me. Like I thought was like a very like self-aware moment for Dawn and also for her to be angry with Buffy for like not telling her what happened with Spike and, you know, for not telling her at all how she's been feeling. Like Dawn kind of, tells Buffy, like, well, isn't that what you wanted, like, the world to end? And yeah. Buffy's a little bit shocked that Dawn somehow has intuited this. Like, Buffy's right, confessed right. into, like, to, like, Willow and Tara and, like, maybe Xander about how she's been feeling, but she never had that conversation with Dawn. Right. Like, Dawn's been picking up on it, and hence all of her bratty behavior, right? right? But um, I think to have her that just kind of tell Buffy in a very clear way of, like, I see you and what's been going on yeah. does wonders for Dawn's character. <laughs> I was also really struck by the way that Dawn specifically says, like, you know, yeah, she, when it's a part of her speech where she's telling Buffy, like, you can't stop. These things keep happening, and everybody that I love keeps dying. And I felt like that was also a moment that just landed really hard for me. And I think, I guess just because it's sad and honest, but, like, Yeah, I agree with you that it just also makes her feel a lot more like she's aware of what's going on and how tragic things are are always going to be for them. Um, Yeah, and how great was it when she picked up a sword and fought with Buffy? I I mean, (laughs) come on. That scene is great. And then fighting back to back and like side by side. I think they also did a good job of like not making it so that Dawn was just immediately like great at it. You know what I mean? Because like that would it's a little bit like. Oh, she can't be. She's not the Slayer. She's just a 16 year old at the end of the day. But I did feel like they staged it really well of like, she kind of struggles, but then she kind of gets her footing. And like, it does make sense that like, I love when she's like, you think I never watched you. I always love that moment. Yeah. And then I love, you know, at the end, you know, we started this season with Buffy climbing yes. out of a grave. Oh, yes. And yes. We end this season with Buffy climbing out of a grave, but the crucial difference is she's not alone. And I just like, it, yeah. love the symbolism of that yeah. scene. <laughs> like I was and like, that it's Oh, Buffy found her way back to Dawn. And that it's day. I mean, again, it's like always yeah. a little bit shocking to see the, the really brightly filmed day scenes because there just are not that many of them. But like, no, I agree. I think that was a really, I, I really, really like the way they wrapped that up. I think that was in some ways more satisfying. And eh, that's not true. I like the Xander Willow thing too. So, um, yeah, but it's kind of like a nice, you know, button on this whole arc for Buffy where she kind of 
admits, you know, that even to herself, maybe she didn't even realize until this moment, but like right. she's How relieved dark when the world doesn't end and yeah. she's happy. Like she wants to live and to like do all these things and I'm getting so emotional. Do it for Dawn. <laughs> um, it's just really, it's just a great counterpoint. And I, I think you're right. Like the, the visual of it being daylight versus nighttime where, you know, the first episode of the season was entirely in the dark and this one is almost entirely in the daylight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really cool. It is. Um, Shoot, I had another Dawn point to make, but I forgot what it was. Anyway, great scene. Um, also, never really realized how grim it was that uh, so when they first are in there and Don, uh, Buffy's trying to climb out because they realize that Xander's gone or, or, whatever, or when he's there and they think he's knocked out or whatever. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to pull all these coffins out and stack them up on each other. I was like, oh, my God, because you guys are literally just there's a huge pit in the grave in this graveyard. So there's just coffins like the ones that are buried six feet under. Ugh. I had never you know, noticed just that like, before. Exactly. And like, like, they're just, like, coffins hanging out yeah. on the wall. I mean, it's just because we spend so much time in Buffy in cemeteries that, like, seeing coffins isn't that weird. But, like, yeah, this moment I was like, oh, these aren't the normal. You're not in a crypt. You're underground. That's disgusting. Anyway. I, uh, yay, Dawn. You were yeah. mature and you made sense. Oh, you know what? I, this is what I was going to say. I think it's also a nice, like, you were talking before about how Buffy is finally becoming an adult for all these other reasons. And part of, you know, one of the things that Giles says to her is like, oh, being an adult is like knowing when to ask for help. But I think that was like a nice point that he made. I feel like also this interaction with Dawn is another just really big moment for her though. Like maturity wise and adult wise is also like, you can't like she, I think Buffy has kind of had this idea of what providing for Dawn and being her parent, being her, you know, pseudo parent is going to mean. And I think she thinks it means I have to protect her from literally everything all the time and that is such a such a like huge amount of pressure that she's put on herself it's also kind of one of the reasons why she's failing so hard so I think this is also a nice moment in her like really you know evolution into adulthood of realizing that like that's not what being your parent means or being your guardian means you know because you're right that I can't protect you from everything so instead we just have to find ways to mitigate it and to be honest with one another about what's going on yeah, and I think also for their relationship too, like because Buffy isn't her right, parent, they're she's sisters. Her sister, yeah, like it just has the effect of shutting her out. Of course, and yeah, that's obviously not going to work. Yeah. Hmm. Well, should we talk about the big one? Like, the big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, Xander still. Oh God, I almost don't want to bring this up. He still irritated me in this episode <laughs> when they're leaving, and he just blurts out the spike thing to Dawn because I just. Something about the way he said it, I was like, really, you're still in this mode where you have to, like, take jabs at Spike and Buffy instead of, like, maturely telling Don about what, you know, not that I don't think Don deserves to know, but it just was a weird moment. So I was like, oh, you're still really annoying me. But I. He's still weaponizing his knowledge. Yeah. Like, that's what he's doing. Yeah. He's and just, like, like, uses it as, like, a, a barb at Don. Because he only does it with sexual and re- relationships that revolve around Buffy. It's, like, it still comes off as jealous, you know? And, it, like, it's just a, such a crappy thing to say about this because that's not what that moment was, was, you know? And that's not something that... I don't really think that's what he's trying to convey, but just something about how, like, oh, Xander only chimes in when it's something about some guy that Buffy's dated. is <laughs> like, whatever. So that didn't make him look great. So... Why did I bring that up? I don't know, just because it happened. But the rest of this, A plus Sander, I'm glad that your existence has been explained. You know, you've brought something to the table. (laughs) There's a nicer way to say that. I don't know why I'm being so snotty about it. So this is this is the episode, right, where we we hang a lot of our 
forgiveness of Xander yes. on this episode because he does prove that he can reach out and be be someone who like wins through an emotional breakthrough yeah. which I honestly like would never have guessed that that would be Xander but it's I think, true. <laughs> you know watching this one I think you're absolutely right the thing that really stands out to me is that Willow is the only person that he could do that for because it's, true. it's the only relationship in his life that he's comfortable in because he doesn't feel rejected by or like hasn't felt rejected right, by right. because even when he briefly decided that he wanted to date Willow she was all gung ho for it right so right. like you know, Willow's never rejected him the way anyone else has, but also mostly he just doesn't view her as this, like, sexual object right. or conquest or, right. you know, whatever. He looks the way at Buffy or Anya, but, like... Yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I always think, like, okay, this is the episode where Xander redeems himself, and it's kind of why I don't hate Xander. Yes. But watching it this time, I was struck by, like maybe I'm giving him too much credit because, like, this is still a great moment for him, but, like, he would have failed with anyone else. That's and maybe that's not fair because this was Willow and he did succeed and, like, it's a big moment. I mean, like, he selflessly put himself in harm's way while trying to reach her and, you know, basically save the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. But does it get undercut by the previous the rest of it. seasons? Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe it does. Like, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, well... Great, you did the bare minimum. But I, it's not the bare minimum, so that doesn't feel fair. So I guess, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. And you're right. I didn't I didn't have that reaction, but you're right. You're right. Uh, I had kind of the counter, the, op, the other, the flip side of that thought, which was that it's also, it's so interesting to me how I think this is also the one case where Buffy never would have succeeded. Even if they had told her, like, you need to go and forge an emotional connection with her, I think Buffy would have still hit on the wrong points. And, like, Xander is kind of the only one that can get through to Willow in this moment, other than probably Tara, you know, if she were not the cause of this. <laughs> I think you're right. I feel like what still really... What I really liked about their moment is that... <laughs> I, I still have to think about what you're saying, I guess, is where I'm at. Because I don't disagree with you. But... No, I want to I say, like, I, also, this doesn't ruin it for me, right? Like, I... I'm still right, right. I still love this ending, and I like that it's Xander who finally is the person who saves the day. I, I guess why I kind of still, I think what is striking about this to me is that he does save the world, and through this like small action, but he's not. I think why he succeeds is because he's not trying to save the world. I guess is what I'm saying, and so like somehow something about that feels more noble to me. I don't feel like he went there because he thinks I'm the only one that can get through to Willow. I, I think. I believe everything that he says to her, which is that if you're going to do this and the world is going to end, there's not anybody else that I want to be with right now. And I feel like that sentiment is like also going to choke me up a little bit where it's like something about that specifically is why it works. But I also think it only it's only because I genuinely believe him. I really think I do. I'm sure in the back of his head, he was like, maybe I can stop this. But I don't feel like he was manipulating her when he said those things. I think he really, really meant it. And so no, something that's why I think, I think that moment right. works ultimately for me. And you're right that like, does it excuse every bad thing he's ever done? No, I sort of think it is going to put him on a, I'm curious how season seven Xander comes across to me because I know that he's going to have one or two other really standout moments. And I wonder if this is like, is he finally also maturing the way that everyone else seems to be in this episode? But like, but yeah, so that's where I'm at. I think how small that moment really and personal it really, really is, is why it's kind of this great finale to this like contrast, you know, by contrast, like, you know, cat catastrophic world ending bit. bit. 
No, I think you're right. I think the reason it works is because Xander is not trying to save the world. He's trying to save Willow. And, you know, like his speech to her almost acts as if this end of the world thing is some <laughs> external force that like neither of them can is control. It just yeah. happens to be happening. And like, you know, I love that he says to her like, yeah, you, you're evil and you're doing all these things, but hey, I still want to hang. And yeah, it's like, yeah, I really you know, like that line. And, and, and I think you're right that Buffy would have absolutely failed because everything Willow has been saying this whole time is, like, about who everyone perceives her to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, oh, nobody, you know, nobody liked me until I got powers or, mm-hmm. you know, nobody liked that other Willow. And, you know, Xander kind of saying, well, I don't really care. I was yeah. hanging out with, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you when you broke a crayon and I, you know, yeah. and when we were five and I will hang out with you when you're ending the world and, like, yeah. it's all the same to me. And right. I feel like that's the only, like the only point that gets through to her because that is the foundation of her grief, right? It's right. like Tara's loss felt so big because Willow has hinged her entire happiness right. and like on this person validation finally of herself her. on this relationship, mm-hmm. which maybe wasn't very healthy. Sure. But, <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. You know, but it, it, it really makes for some really agonizing grief, I'm sure, because it's not just the loss of Tara, it's mm-hmm. the loss of this identity that she had with Tara. Yeah. So. yeah, you're right. And I think Xander is the one that can really remind her that's not true. That was never true. And yeah. So I like it. I also, I think this is also a bit of his gambit where I, I think he does have a bit of strategy here. And I think it's also just so genius that ultimately, yeah, he, (laughs) by being the one who's going to go there and say, you can end the world if you want to, but you have to start with me. And is, yeah, I mean, there's, it's not no way that couldn't work, but like if anything's going to work, I think that's fair because she really is seeing everything on such this like macro level right now that like she just thinks like, well, there's pain and I can end it. And he's like, well, that's fine. But what you're doing is murdering all of your friends and family. And so I'm going to make you do it and confront it. And I just think that's a, it's a great idea. Yeah. So, you're going to yes. look at me while you're you going to look at me while you do it. Exactly. And then I think that really seems to be the thing that is the final nail in the coffin for her is like, she keeps physically assaulting Xander with magic. And it's like, well, at a certain point you can't deny what you're doing. Yeah. Because also like, I think it's important to make the distinction between Xander and Warren and even Giles where, right. You know, nobody, I think Willow knew nobody cared what happened to Warren. Right. Right. Like, right they didn't right. want her to kill him, <laughs> but nobody ultimately cared what happened to him. Yeah. And you know, Giles, People care what happens to Giles, but Willow is still obviously very angry with Giles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for perhaps pointing to some truths that she didn't want to, you know, yeah. wrestle with. Yeah. You know? He's the first to notice, like, perhaps she's not being healthy around her use of magic. Um, but Xander doesn't fit in any of those boxes, right? Like, everybody's going to be really upset if she kills Xander. Right. And Xander is probably the last person to know what was going on with, like, her magic. Mm-hmm. So right, right, he right. can't be blamed for anything. Right. So he's a very inconvenient target for her because there's no reason to be killing him. Right. Yeah. Oof. But yeah, so you bring up a good point, and I think we can definitely think about that more, especially, like I said, I'm curious how... Xander comes across in the next season. But yeah, he's not a perfect person. But he was the perfect no. person for this moment. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a great way to put it. And I do think I that... Just, like, I think I'm just curious how how much that sways my future. Yeah. No, I mean, it is a really great point, too. Toxic I mean, behavior. Right. And how much does it really matter that he can be great to Willow if he can't be great to literally every other woman in his life? But whatever. He does save the world. And I will... That is noted... Mentally noted. <laughs> That's in the plus column. Yes, in his uh, karmic uh, check 
whatever. Why can't I think of words right now? It's because it's starting to get hot in my room because I have to turn off the AC to record. <laughs> uh, um, okay. All right. Well, speaking of the oh my God. karmic plus column. Yeah. Well, plus just, or minus column, I suppose. Sh- sure. So, so yeah. Spike gets a soul. Right, right, right. Yeah, I was like, oh, we don't have to dwell on it, but we should at least moment. mention it. <laughs> I didn't even, I don't even think I mentioned it in the recap. No, you didn't, and I kind of forgot to. Fine, um, whatever. So we can talk about maybe, maybe there's more to talk about next season when we like see it. Because mm-hmm. um, this is really just like him completing the trials and going through it. But my question for you, mm-hmm. based on what he was saying at the beginning of this episode where he just really wants to like be his old self so Buffy can get what she deserves. Yeah. Do you think he's still talking about a soul? Yes, he is. He is. Okay. There, this is just bad writing because they're trying to pull a fast one on you. Also, to be fair... It sounded like he was talking about, like, getting the chip removed so that he could just go beat Buffy up. It's supposed to sound like that. <laughs> well, I don't know what to think because I feel like I, you don't think I that, have to take them at face value. Uh, that's fine. You can. I don't... I think it is obvious that they are just trying to set up one thing so that we'll all be surprised. This is literally the last shot of this season that we've seen, that we see, it so it's, is, like, supposed to land. but the open question for me is, like, is Spike in on the joke? Like, I just, like, feel like, yes, the audience is being surprised, and that's why the writing, you're right, that's why it's so misleading, but I just, my, it's making me question, like, is Spike in the same position as the audience and the soul is just a surprise. I mean, I, I just, I think there's a 0% chance that that is the case. He would not go to the ends of the earth to get a chip out of his head. He might. I don't think so. I really don't think so. And I, I don't think this is necessarily valid for this particular argument, but I definitely, there are a lot of interviews with all the showrunners where they're like, yeah, that was just a plot twist. (laughs) He was, they were just saying that they just wrote him that way. Well, it was badly executed. I don't think so, because I've literally never been confused by it. (laughs) But fair. I think it's annoying. I don't think it's poorly executed. Yeah, but because she deserves a man who can really love her and be a real man. I don't know. Then why are you calling her a bitch? That was three episodes ago. (laughs) Haven't you forgotten about that by now? No. (laughs) That's the sticking point. That is a much more valid criticism. In From what you say, I think that is better evidence to your case than the fact that he says she gets what she deserves. Because Spike kind of talks like that. You know, even no, he when he does, mean, but like, I... Even when he means something positive. He said some other line where I should have written it down because I was just like, this just in no way sounds like he's, like, trying to get a soul. Like, it was like he literally sounding like he needs to go, like, take care of that bitch. But he didn't say that this time. You're putting and that yeah, word into it, his mouth again. It doesn't matter. Like, he said it in the same scenario, like, with the same demon, so... Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I feel like you're being willful about this, and you know <laughs> that I'm right, and that you know that that's no, what they I don't, meant. No, I don't know that you're right. I think I you think do. That I'm right. I, I mean, you're certainly not right canonically. Whether or not that matters is, I think, f- a fair question. Well, sometimes things can be accidental canon because of bad decisions by showrunners, mm-hmm. so... Right, like how that whole spike assault scene just never happened because I don't want to. It's not it didn't really happen because I can is just you being skip willful. that episode from now on. <laughs> yes, but I'm at least being honest about it. Yeah, I know I, that I, I am ignoring that thing because it makes me get to feel happy about things. Whatever. I mean, I honestly don't think I'm going to be happy about Spike and Buffy in season seven, though. Honestly, like this. Yes. When you binge the show and really only focus on the things that you like, it's a lot easier to ignore the things that you don't like. Now that we're really painstakingly going through this, I'm going to have a harder time just living with it. So thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we'll we'll put a pin in that conversation until next season. I mean, there's just no point in telling the story of him going to the ends of the earth if it's not for him to have made a real choice, I guess. I just don't see why that would be the story. So, like, yes, it's just sloppy. It's not really sloppy. I think it's just sticky and kind of stupid. But I don't think that that takes away from what he's trying to do. Ugh, okay. You want to talk about Steven? Should we talk about... Yeah, I was going to say Angel, but yeah, Steven. (laughs) Steve Holtz. Steve Holtz. Oh, my God, right. All right. I mean, I think kind of the flip side, this is, like, once again, like, a lot of different little tiny plots happening in this episode. So... I'll do my best. But, okay, so where we left off, Stephen slash Connor thinks that, you know, has been led on purpose to believe that Angel murdered Holtz. Um, And that he now has a mission to, like, go try and figure out how to get rid of Angel. Um, And he does that. He shows up back at the hotel, uh, basically as a, you know, a ruse. He's, (laughs) yeah, he's uh, there to pretend like he wants to just live with Angel, that they he wants to forge a relationship with him, and but what he's more or less really trying to do is figure out Angel's weaknesses. Um, like, he has Angel show him how to fight. I mean, it's sort of backfiring on him, I think, a little bit, because they do really have a connection, and Angel ultimately isn't a bad guy, no, much, no matter how much I sort of hate him sometimes. You know, he, he means well, and he is a good person. Um, so I do feel like Connor is a little bit getting some you know, questionable feedback to kind of his worldview, specifically about Angel. But nevertheless, he does figure out um, somehow kind of how to trap and trick Angel. And so at the very end of this episode, despite their kind of, they do have these little moments of bonding when they're fighting together. He ultimately lures Angel into a boat and puts him in a coffin and sinks him underground, (laughs) sinks him underwater rather, not underground. And also this episode ends on a cliffhanger, which I did not remember. So, meanwhile, everybody else is doing things, mostly Cordelia. Uh, Cordelia grew, finally confronts her about how she's really in love with Angel, and she can't deny it, so he leaves. Where is he going? Question mark. Um, but she, you know, after having these, this weird conversation with her demon self, sure, she decides that she is going to tell Angel how she feels, so they set up... She calls him and they set up a time to go have this date where they're going to like talk about things. And I think it's pretty clear to both of them like that they're on the same page finally and that this is finally the right moment. So while she's on her way to meet Angel, um, just, like time stops on the highway. She has like a her little demon glow thing happens and we she once again sees um, Skip, Skip, Chip. Yeah, Skip. I always want to call him Chip, but that's not his name. Skip, her like kind of guy demon guy to the powers that be uh shows up and he tells her all right you did it like actually the ta- the powers have been testing you by giving you so much power with your demon ability and since you've used it well and for good things you know you use it to save connor and you use it to help your friends um they've decided that you can ascend we need your help now fighting evil on a different plane in a different level and so he makes her in very quickly make this choice obviously she thinks it's super unfair because she was just finally going to go have this moment with angel but where the episode ends, she is ascending into what? I mean, there's a lot to, I have a lot of open questions about this, obviously, um, while Angel is being drowned in the ocean. Um, and then lots of other little things happen. I mean, Fred and Gunn are there. <laughs> that's kind of the, Fred eats a lot of popcorn. That's her whole character moment in this <laughs> that's episode. That's pretty much her arc. It is her episode. arc. It's disappointing, but it is also relatable. I ate a lot of popcorn last night. Um, Lauren decides that he's leaving. He's going to go start a, <laughs> work on his career in Vegas. Uh, 
he does give them quite a few warnings about Connor, and he also is the one that finally tells Angel, like, look, Cordelia feels the same way about you, so stop being a scaredy cat. Um, and Wesley, you know, is keeps getting courted by Lila to join Wolfram and Hart, and instead what they do is just bone, so. Uh, that, yeah. But ultimately, this ends on a huge cliffhanger where Connor and Justine are out on a barge or a boat or whatever, you know, dumping Angel into the ocean. And meanwhile, Cordelia is ascending into whatever other plane to become some sort of deity goddess, question mark? Higher being, I Higher being, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's um, <sighs> one's going up and one's going down and Fred's like, where is everybody? Yes. I mean, I obviously, I I didn't hate the cliffhanger with Angel, and I'm not actually hating this this particular storyline with Connor. Like, I really, I I did kind of enjoy that. I thought their little fighting side by, like I said, I mean, maybe that was just my characterization of it, but like they kind of keep accidentally bonding, even though Connor is, you know, on paper he's there to, he's trying not to be charmed by Angel, but he kind of can't help it. And I felt like that was really well executed. And like also, I think. Angel, who's trying really hard to be like a fun, good dad to his son, is like the most charming angel that we've seen in years, <laughs> you know, like uh, years of the show, at least. Like, it was kind of nice to feel like, oh, when Angel isn't just pining or moaning about something, he really can be fun. And I, I really liked getting to see that side of him. And then I guess I don't mind that they did that cliffhanger with him. I really mind that they teased Angel and Cordelia and then pulled them apart at the end again. Yeah, and... You know, what was annoying to me about that whole thing was, like, that that whole, like, they don't realize it until, like, someone, like, yeah. expressly tells them yeah, that, that this is what's happening. So like, Lauren cliche. straight up tells Angel, like, you guys are in love with each other, and Gru kind of does the same with Cordelia, and it's, like, then they're both immediately, like, oh, okay. And, yeah. And even then, Angel doesn't do anything until Cordelia's, like, I need to talk to you. Yeah. And that Cordelia, like, lets Gru leave, but then has to kind of talk herself into being in love with him. Like, I just felt like yeah, it, no, was it was all handled a little bit strangely. But, you know, it was aside from that whole thing, like the whole romantic subplot, mm-hmm. I I actually feel like this episode was an uptick no, I compared guess to recent weeks. And I, I, I actually, agree. especially as a finale, like, think it worked for me. I really was surprised by the cliffhanger, to be honest. And I was pleasantly surprised, I think. I was like, oh, do I want to watch another episode? <laughs> Am I excited to see what happens here? I mean, I'm not because I'm really nervous about the Cordelia storyline. I feel like they didn't do her justice in this episode, but I think I agree with you overall. I liked, I liked everybody else in this episode. I liked Lauren. I liked Fred and Gunn. I liked Wesley. I I mean, I like the Wesley Lila subplot, whatever that is amounting to. I felt like that was actually a lot more appropriate than him ever going to work for Wolverine Hart. I was like, oh, this kind of makes more sense, right? Yeah, I mean, Wesley, like... <laughs> it's like, you guys really just, hate each other, but that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wesley is not nice no, in this episode. No, But Neither Wesley it. also has reasons to not be feeling particularly nice to the people right now. And also, it's Lila, so it's like, yeah, we're fine. She, she doesn't can, feel she doesn't feel nice either. Like, she's fine with yeah, it. She yeah, doesn't, she doesn't care. So it's like, you know, his treatment of her would be problematic, I think, except that it's Lila and she's giving it back just as bad. I you agree, know, it's like, yeah. It, it kind of feels like an equal footing, so... And it is self-destructive, but, like, so much less so than where they kind of, I think, hinted he might go. I mean, I don't remember where he ends up next, exactly how his stuff resolves, so maybe I'll be corrected. But I feel like, for now, kind of this... I do feel like the threat has been that he's going to ultimately go evil and join the evil team. And the fact that he didn't do that and he's kind of being self-destructive in this other way is... I don't know. It's more believable, frankly. Well, and it's also kind of a relief, especially in this episode, as we see the, the, the... 
you know, Wolfram and Hart just comes across as silly in this episode. They like, sure do. They, they launch a helicopter raid on... On a drive On a, drive like, a drive-in <laughs> movie. And also, they fail spectacularly. And then it's, like, this nothing moment. You know, like, Angel just hauls Holland out of the car, and he's like, stay away from my son. And it's, like... And it's like nothing and it's like it's just all very silly like they did this whole production for that and like also what I didn't understand is I feel like Wolfram and Hart the thing that makes them work or that makes them believable is this commitment to doing everything that they do with the utmost secrecy and like yeah. unbeknownst to everybody it's true. and so this yeah. whole helicopter raid felt way too public and way too out of character for the firm and makes me wonder like you know, if the writers just thought it would be really cool or if that it's another indication that like maybe the people running Wolfram and Hart are just getting sloppy. Right. But hard to, yeah, really are the writers sloppy or is Wolfram and Hart sloppy? Yeah, as well. like it's not they're not barging into like a private hotel. They're right. barging into like a public it's true. like outdoor drive in. And and I think the only reason is because it looks really cool with the movie where the helicopter looks like it like comes right. off the screen and Connor's like, How'd they do that? Yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's just as a move for Wolfram and Hart, it feels a little bit off-brand. Yeah. But then they've never really been consistent with what that brand is, so it's again, true. hard to say, I guess. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, it doesn't really lead to anything except we see Connor fighting to save Angel, which again is like a bit of a misdirect, right? Because mm-hmm. turns out he's fighting to save Angel so that he can then punish him in his own way. Uh, I think he is not totally aware of his own feelings. I think he's... I think Connor is a lot more affected by Angel than he realizes. No, I agree. Okay. But I mean, ultimately, he is planning to enact this yes. revenge. And so, like, he is fighting to save Angel because but, if Angel gets killed by these commandos, that's a problem. I I think, though, that in those moments, that's especially when he's fighting, I think that's when Connor is kind of at his most, like, vulnerable because he's so distracted that I think he is sort of... I, I guess what I'm saying is I definitely took that to be a little more instinctual than that. I, I'm sure that that's what he thought. That's why he jumped into the fight, but once he actually gets into the fight, I think it's a lot more instinct kicking in. That's how I took it. Oh, it's clear that Connor always feels a little more bonded to Angel than he might want to. Yeah. Okay. Just check it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I... Yeah. I mean, again, I'm just kind of... I liked this episode. I'm very worried because I you know what, but I shouldn't do that. I'm not going to do that. I liked, what I liked about this episode is I think that they're finally executing the tension between Connor and Angel pretty well. I think Connor has good reason to do, feel how he does. I think this episode was one of the first times where they didn't kind of just sneer at him for being, thinking this because it's like, that's, how, how could he think anything else? So I don't know. I liked that. And I really, like I said, I really like seeing happy, positive Angel, who's not just like, I don't know, like, sometimes when they try to make Angel too casual, it, like, also doesn't work, but something about the, like, eager Angel maybe is what I like. I don't know. Have I said the opposite before? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I appreciate Angel working so hard at something that's not a woman, (laughs) and that's not, like, what, that's not, like, um, because he also gets so stuck in these prophecies, and, like, I'm the champion, so I have to do these, and I guess, again, to kind of draw parallels to the Buffy episode, this kind of hinging on just like a really, really personal relationship and a really personal dynamic, I think was a good thing for Angel, the character. No, I agree. And how, how refreshing is it that this is a finale of Angel that didn't hinge on some prophecy? Exactly. Yeah. I forgot prophecy. That's a really good thing to bring up. Like, it's just like, as I mean, it started out hinging on Mm. one and that like led to all this stuff, but but the end of this is not like the father will kill the son. You know, it's like, 
I well, I have to say Connor's though, just acting of his own accord. On the on the same note, though, I actually think that's why I don't like this the way that the story, the Cordelia storyline, is going. It isn't exactly a prophecy, but every time they bring the powers that be in, it's just so confusing. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know why did it have to be now? Why did it have to do this? It just really felt so contrived. Well, and what doesn't work for me is knowing that like this kicks off the right whatever it kicks off the grievous mistreatment of her character. Yeah. But even um, if it hadn't, I think I don't want, I don't want this for Cordelia. And I frankly don't buy the timeline. She has only, she has been a very good person and she has done a lot of good, but there is no way. I mean, she's like 22, right? Like, I don't know. She's only been a good person for like three years. <laughs> like, I don't know. Something about this is just. Well, and these new powers that they're rewarding her for su- successfully not overusing, she's had for like two months. Also, she like, seems to have no idea how to use them. Other, this is the first time she's ever mentioned being able to control the glowing, but she doesn't seem to be, like she didn't seem to be able to control it. I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's like I also feel like that's like a weird test to like you haven't overused your powers. It was like wait, I could overuse them. I didn't even know how they worked. So that feels like a bit of a false test, also. It's true that every time we've seen her use them, it it's, hasn't been intentional. So it is a bit jarring to hear her be like, oh, one time I used it as a nightlight. Like, yeah, I'm like, since when? <laughs> so you, you found the on switch? Yeah. Like, yeah. But I think what I really like about this episode is like the way that... So the team has basically been split, you know, Wesley on the outside and everybody else loyally following Angel. But the team has kind of fractured in a way, and I think this episode really kind of cements it. Where yeah. we, we literally have Angel and Cordelia moving to different planes of existence. Fred and Gunn are like a you know a, a unit, but Lauren leaves to go to Vegas. Yeah, um, Wesley's still outside, and so you know when Fred says where is everybody, it's it's kind of meant to imply like oh she means like where's Cordelia and Angel, right. but really it's like where is everyone? Where is everybody? Yeah. <laughs> like no one is there. They're the only ones there. Everyone's kind of scattered. No one's on the same and, page. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting to think about what happens next. Like Connor comes back and he's like living with these people and. You know, nobody knows where Cordelia is. Nobody cares about Wesley. Nobody care. Nobody knows about Angel. But like, what's interesting to me is like Cordelia and Angel are the people that were keeping Wesley separate. Right. Right. You know, right. Fred right. and Gunn both separately had made efforts to like reach out to Wesley, mm-hmm. and we're told no, no. Like the loyalty is to Angel and the team, and you know, don't bother with Wesley. But like those two blockers are gone now. Right. So. So Does this also them? somehow open the door for Wesley? Right. I don't know. Because also, Lauren feels like he has to leave because of Connor. Right, so which was a little heartbreaking. It would be interesting if Wesley then was allowed to come back. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I just like the, the possibilities for, like, moving the pieces around. Yeah. I was sad to see like Lauren said, go, though. Like I said, this episode I, worked for me, so. I think uh, it was appro- the way that Lauren leaves is incredibly appropriate, given how they've treated him the rest of this show, but it really also was, like, a final reminder that, like, at the end of the day, he is second-rate to them. You know, it's like, I, I understand that Angel has to prioritize his son, and I don't think that he's doing the wrong thing, but I think it's just, like, it is kind of sad to once again see, it's like, Lauren can't stay there because they're ch- they will always choose everything else above him. Like I said, it's a, kind of an unfair comparison because it's Connor, but it was really sad to have him kind of make this, like, you know, I changed his diaper, I did all this stuff for you, and I have to leave. And Angel doesn't really seem that sad about it. I guess that's why I, that's why I butt her is because it was not, they don't really give him this, like, they don't, like, throw him a goodbye party. Everybody else doesn't even realize he's leaving, but, like, they probably just won't notice for, like, four more weeks before they're like, wait, where's Lauren? <laughs> I don't know if, like, Angel, if I think it's, like, that he wasn't that sad or if, like, this is an instance of Angel just, like, being really pragmatic and recognizing, like, 
yeah, you're right. Like there isn't any other option because Connor has been raised in this, you know, difficult way. I feel and like if he... It's not going to be fixed in, like, two weeks. Yeah, so. it still feels like there's a different option besides, like, leave to go to Vegas, but fair enough. I mean, to be fair, Lauren needs to do what he needs to do for his career. Yeah. But also it's a safety thing. Like, if Connor decides in the middle of the night that he's going to murder Lauren, like, nobody can really stop him. Yeah. I don't know. Something about that just doesn't totally sit right with me, though. No, I agree. Like, you're right. It's It's emblematic of like the way that they treat him overall but I just feel like in this instance like I think the reasons were good and I think that's the recognition yes. that Angel has at least that like yes I don't like this but you're you know, right and I'm this sorry this is what has to happen yeah and but what I started off saying and what I really mean to say is it feels like a very appropriate way to send Lauren off given their relationships with zero right, fanfare. right with zero fanfare and with a little bit of like resignation to like yeah you're just not the most important one here I don't know. I am making it a little more mean than they, I think, mean for uh, intend for it to be, any of them, or even that Lauren feels it is. It just felt to me like, yeah, that feels appropriate. That's how they would have handled it. I mean, okay, sorry, but did you like the Cordelia scene on the highway? I hated that. Oh, the... Just the whole thing. The, the, whole, the whole way that came about. Well, I mean, it's clear that they had her choose that outfit so that she would look angelic. As sure, up, yeah. Which, which I always find annoying. yeah. Like, I, I think I would have liked it better if she'd just been wearing, like, jeans and a t-shirt, but sure. Yeah. Um, like, the, I mean, because that's not an outfit style that we, like, ever would expect Cordelia to wear, too. You so know, just like, yeah, okay, I know what it is that's bothering me about this. I I think it's because Cordelia is obviously, is obviously my favorite character in the show, I think, or at least has been up until this point. Um, and what I've, what I felt like they always did so well was like, just turn her into a better and better version of herself. And I feel like obviously in this moment, they're literally like deifying her, but also the show has kind of been putting her up on this weird pedestal where it's like, she's more than just a good girl. She's like, or like a good woman. She's like an angel. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't use the word angel because angel's an angel, but I don't know. Something about this is, is like, now they've kind of pushed it too far where she's not human anymore. Like, she feels less and less human all the time. But, like, that was really her strength was how human and empathetic she was. So it feels a little bit crappy to be like, well, you know, she's so good, she's not even human. Like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> no, I actually agree with you. I think that that's true. And I was noticing in this episode, you know, I think they're trying to lean into this, like, angelic persona, too, of, like, they've kind of turned her into, like, the mother goddess. They really of, like, have, group, yeah. Right, where, like, she's watching them play fight, and then she's like, who's going to clean this yeah, up? And it's yeah. like, I'm sorry, Mrs. Cleaver? Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's just so not Cordelia. It's like, not. Like, she wouldn't be the, like, tisking mother, you know, like. Like, Cordelia just, a season ago was, like, so mad at Angel for all this stuff that he did, and then was, like, won, won her affections back by some nice gifts, and, like, that was a fun reminder of, like, Cordelia still has these, you know, quirks where she's still herself, even though she's also done these big, big things and made these big personal sacrifices. Like, she's so much more well-rounded when she's all of that, instead of, yeah, to your point, this kind of, like, whittled, even also, like, really cliche, stereotypical version of what a mom is. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Ugh. And it's you're really right. weird That's what to it was give that role me. to Cordelia in the same, like, overtly give it to her in the same episode yeah. where she's, like, you know, summoned up to heaven, I guess. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, it feels a I little know, because, questionable, like, I think. Yeah, like, it's like, they were kind of doing that when Connor was a baby, like, Cordelia was kind of fulfilling the mom role. Sure, in, way, in their family unit, um, but that's different than just in, doing yeah. it overall. 
But this was just like more overt and it just felt weird. It also, yeah, it is. Now that we're talking about it, it's like definitely giving me a little bit of a like Madonna whore complex of like, she can't just go be happy with Angel even. She can't, they can't even admit their feelings to one another in person. They can't share a kiss or any moment because that will somehow like taint her or something. I mean, I know they let Cordelia have sex, but like, yeah, she has to choose something about it is like very earthly lust for Angel and her like her rise to be, you know, a higher being. Yeah, it's a little bit strange, and you're right. I mean, it is this idea of, like, Cordelia being, like, either the whore or the Madonna. Yeah. And, like, it's just a weird dichotomy. It was a weird. It was weird. Okay. But on that note, you're right. I did like the rest of the episode. I really liked Angel and Connor, even though I didn't expect to, so I look forward to seeing how Angel's gonna get out of this one. <laughs> I know. That's what I can't remember. I don't remember What either. I really am curious about is, like, <laughs> how does he get out of this one? I... I want to hope that Wesley does it, but I don't know. Oh my God, are you right? It might be Wesley. (gasps) It might be. Can someone kill Justine too? Oh God, she's the worst. Oh, she's the worst. Also, when we were watching this, Alex was like, wait, why does Holtz want to go to a cabin in Utah? Like, does he know what Utah is? No. Why would he know Utah, right? What's his time frame? When was he last on Earth? Was there a Utah? No. Yeah, so weird. I mean, not to say that he couldn't have learned about it, but it is a weird... It wouldn't have been weird to me if it was something he said. If he said it to Justine and that was the lie that he spun for her, I wouldn't think that was weird because he was manipulating her and that, you know, he might have thought that sounded best, but that he told it to Connor also is like, I mean, to be fair, he's also manipulating Connor, but still seems like a weird lie to keep perpetrating. Like, I don't know if it was a lie, but like, it does feel like a random choice. Like maybe it was just um, really remote and like he felt that that would be you know, how did he, a safe haven, but it how also would he feels know really that? close to California. So I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're trying to hide him away from Angel. That yeah. feels like it's not that far. Well, good um, No, but Justine, man, she just keeps believing in the, the crap that Holtz tells her but and she keeps even, being like disappointed. Yeah. And it, and I, I guess I really just, I have no sympathy for her though, because this, if I, sorry, to be clear, I think Holtz was lying to Justine, or at least she gets good reason to think that because when Connor is like, oh yeah, he always told me about how it was just going to be me and him there. So it was like, yeah, Justine, you were never actually a part of this plan. I mean, it certainly throws into question how much Connor was also a part of this plan, you know, other than as as a tool and as a pawn. But I guess I'm just saying like, even after that, even after repeatedly seeing how much Holtz doesn't care about her, that she's still carrying out his wishes is just baffling. What a broken person she is, I guess. Yeah, it is a question, right, of, like, how much of Holtz's plan really ultimately did he care to include Connor in because his grand final gesture is to have Justine kill him so that Connor will kill Angel, but that still leaves Connor totally Yeah, exactly. Alone. He does not care about Connor. He, if he kills, if, if, if both of his pseudo-father figures are dead... And he's just left in a Connor strange left world. And, like, yeah. does Holtz not care at all He doesn't. I don't think like, he does. That's, I mean, yeah. I, I think I said that last week, too, is, like, I think the show a little bit wants us to believe that Holtz really loves Connor now that he's raising his own son, but boy, oh boy, is he like a manipulative piece of poo. I really don't like him. Yeah. He is a terrible person. It doesn't really come across that way, does it? Mm-mm. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, um, wow. All right. Well, that was, that was, that was that. That was, that that. was season six and three. Yeah. Ooh, I feel like, I feel exhausted. Me too. <laughs> uh, this was a really tough set of episodes, I think, to talk our way through. Like, Buffy was. Was, just was just so heavy, yeah. and, and Angel was just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm oddly looking forward to season seven of Buffy, though. I feel like it's going to be kind of the way this season was, where it's like there's highs and lows. I think the highs are going to be really interesting. 
I guess season seven of Buffy is just so fascinating to me because it's like they really have to find a way to end this show, (laughs) you know? And it's like, how do you end this and show? And also, you, know, you and have to find a way to end it without killing Buffy because you've already gone right, to that exactly, well exactly. <laughs> she can't die again. No, that's a good point. So I'm very, very interested to see. I feel like I get. I guess what I'm also feeling is that like, yes, six was so much about everybody being totally broken and climbing their way out of it. And so like now, like this, the whole finale was like kind of about everybody, not necessarily being better, but like getting to a place where they can get better. And so seven is going to be, I guess what I, is seven just going to be like a really healing season? I don't know. I'm just very curious how it, how it is going to come across. I know all yeah, the big, it did kind of feel like everybody finally had like their big breakthrough. Yeah. Event, yeah, right? yeah. 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 <laughs> but in a way that I think is like, Oh, it's going to set the stage for them to like really grow next season. I hope. But what does that mean for a show like Buffy? I mean, I just have so, I'm, I'm so curious. I'm so excited to watch it and figure it out, I guess is what I'm really saying. Yeah. And also, I mean, from a antagonistic standpoint, okay, like we've already been to all these wells. Yeah, right? like that's we've true. covered every manner of vampire and demon and god and, you know, human as villain, mm-hmm. what's left to cover. And, you know, also the show is going back to this well of vampire with soul. So, yeah, yeah. How's that? So it's just, so I, think yeah, there's a lot I, of... I am excited to watch this. I mean, I, I obviously am asking these questions knowing exactly what's going right, to happen, right, right, but right. I, I'm also eager to be surprised because... Well, I mean, I, I knew everything big thing yeah. from this season is that I was constantly surprised. Exactly. And yeah. I'm going to be surprised at how I feel about it all, even though I know all the things that are going to happen. Yeah. So... The show just keeps giving back. It does. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I mean, and I... I'm anxious to watch Angel or something. <laughs> I'm nervous to watch it, but we'll do it. Yeah, that's less eagerness and more apprehension, yes, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. All right. Um, yeah, well, do you have any other pop culture that's not Buffy or Angel I related? do. Um, I finally, we like I said, or I said this to you maybe before we started recording, we just stayed inside all day yesterday because it was so hot um, and closed the night out by watching Into the Spider-Verse on Netflix, which I really meant to see oh. when it was in theaters and I just didn't get around to it. And I really liked it. I thought it was really, really good. I feel like it started and I was like, yeah, this is cute. I could like get into it. I was kind of like multi, I was like doing some other things like kind of in the beginning. And then at a certain point, like halfway through, I got like so sucked in and I was like, I thought it was great. So I really, really liked it. It's a little animated Spider-Man that came out. It's, like, not really part of the... I mean, Spider-Man is this, like, awkward, like, part-owned by Sony, part-owned by (laughs) Marvel, you know, questionable character. But this was, like, outside of the MCU, I would say. Yeah, but I heard really good things about it. It was really good. Everyone loved it. It was really good. There was this... There is... Yeah, I don't want to tell you what it even was about because I didn't know anything about it, and it really worked well, I think, the way that they kind of get to the, like, heart of the plot that's going on. But also, you know, yeah, it was just great. Miles Morales is the Spider-Man, and he's, like, super charming. The animation style was very unique, also, I thought. So, A+. Give it a go. What about you? You know, I thought that I remembered something, and I, <laughs> I, I can't at all remember what it might have been, so maybe I'll have something next time. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I plan to watch Veronica Mars, yes. but I can't talk about it because I haven't watched it. Yes, yes. I'm also, that's on my to-do list. Well, yeah. I thought I was going to do... Um, especially since you alerted me to the fact that it is... Uh, there. On, it's airing now. <laughs> Episodes dropped. I thought they were coming a little later, yeah. so... Um, yeah, I, yeah. Hmm. 
Um, but no, I'm curious how, how that will be. I, I'm sort of apprehensive to watch that because, you know, season three and the movie were both such mixed bags. So I expect it to be a mixed bag, but I am very prepared for that. And I'm like definitely going in for it. I guess, you know, you get to a point with things sometimes where it's like, you know what? I just love this. It would have to be really, really bad for me to not enjoy it and not watch the whole thing. So I think as long as it's like, I mean, if I feel like if it's just Kristen Bell standing there, it would probably still be watchable, right? Like she's so charismatic and like magnetic. Yeah, if she's just like standing there, like doing her Veronica Mars like smirk. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, I can watch that for like ten minutes, probably, (laughs) right? (laughs) Even with no words. So I guess what I'm saying is that like I definitely have tempered expectations. I think as long as it feels strikes any of the same chords, I will personally just be happy to watch it because like I you know it's like my old friend that I just want in my life again and things change and we grow as people and they grow as a show but as long as it's like mostly the same I think I'm gonna be fine and I'm also very intrigued as this show even more so than the movie I think is like Veronica as adult and yeah I I am very curious to see what that looks like and I do think that the movie was a mixed bag but there were definitely I think the piece that I liked the most was how much it was about Veronica realize you know either resigning herself or choosing this life for herself and so I yes I agree with you that like I'm interested to see how that plays out of like now she's not just kind of doing it on the the fly all the time she's made this choice (laughs) I agree like that is the part of the movie that I also really liked and you know regardless of like how she got there and like how cringy some of that was but like that ultimate choice mm-hmm. was really fascinating and then like this is going to be like the you know yeah not not happy ever after but the the ever after right? yeah like the yeah what happened also oh my god are we gonna see how sad weevil's life is we don't want to see how sad he was the most is. tragic part of the movie he's actually probably one of the better parts of the movie too in my opinion sorry now we're just talking about veronica mars and i'm all my feelings are so angry about all my feelings are coming back <laughs> Okay, well, we'll watch that. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, well. All right, but we are going to take oh, a yes. small break. I think. Um, so I think we're coming back after Labor yes. Day. Is that yes, that's the plan. We decided. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think I need it. Like, honestly, Me like too. I said, yeah. like, this, this season was quite exhausting. And I just like, I think I need to rest a bit. I agree. And like, come, come back and like refreshed and ready to talk yeah. Buffy um, because. And plus then we're sort of on the like traditional summer schedule, you know, like TV airing schedule yeah. of like, he leaves for the summer, comes back after Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> so really we'll just be missing, I guess, August. Yes. So yeah. Um, All right. So we will be back. But if, if you're like, where's my favorite Buffy show? <laughs> that's where we are. We're, we're yeah. on vacation. <laughs> that's true. Huh. All right. All three of you, we really appreciate yes. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right. Well, I'll talk to you in a month. Yeah. All right. See you later. All right. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.